I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature today is New York City poet Mason Granger. He'll be reading his poems and talking about performance, as well as the new series he's coordinating at the Bowery Poetry Club starting in January. Following that, I'll be talking a little bit about Billy Collins' new collection, The Rain in Portugal, just out from Random House. I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature today is Mason Granger. He is a New York City poet, performance poet, tours all over the country with his work. He's also the founder of Slam Find, which he describes as the world's first performance poetry network and mobile app that puts the entire North American poetry scene right there in the palm of your hand. And he's got a new project going on in New York City. Uh, at the beginning of the year, we're going to talk about that. But we're really here to focus on his poetry today. So, Mason, I'm so glad you're back on Poetry Spoken Here. Indeed, indeed. Good to be here, Charlie. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, uh, right off, why don't we tell people about this new project? Because you're uh, coordinating a reading series and you're actually looking for poets to perform in it. Uh, yes. Yeah. So it's actually the, so it's at the Bowery Poetry Club and it's their, their poetry open mic. It's called Poet NY. And uh, it's actually been going on for three years uh, since uh, the Bowery Poetry Club has kind of like re-evolved and, and emerging from its cocoon. Um, and it was hosted and ran by the executive director, who's now stepping back. And then I am going to be taking over uh, yeah, as the host and curator every single Sunday night at 8.30 at the Bowery Poetry Club. Beautiful. Okay. And uh, how could people contact you if they thought they wanted to, uh, or they just show up at the Bowery Poetry Club? Yeah, it would be, you just show up at the, it's an open mic. And so it's one of those, uh, the list is open, first come, first serve situations. Uh, it's a two hour block, but you know, we can go long. I, it's the last event of the night on Sunday. So, hey man, it just keeps rolling as long as people are still there and, and down to be there. And then, yeah, it's just come through every night. It's going to have a feature, a feature poet who will, Preferably being like an out-of-town poet who we coordinate with, somebody who tours and, you know, comes yeah. through and, and, and does a nice feature. Uh, there's most likely, I have the meeting on Monday to finalize this, but most likely going to be uh, the first maybe 45 minutes or 60 minutes of the show is going to be videotaped for anybody who may want, you know, want that uh memorabilia of their own work, I suppose. And then the second half will be not videotaped for people who want to, you know, if it's more sensitive work or just something that you're working on, uh, you know, we want to accommodate everybody there. So, Hey, that's a very cool idea. Yeah, yeah. It's like the way Mark Smith gives people the option if they want music back up or not. You know, right. Kinda, exactly. It's a little choice. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I said we're going to be here to talk about your poetry. So uh, you got a new poem or want to talk about what you're thinking about these days with poetry uh, or whatever? Yeah, for sure, man. So, um, all right. So a, a slight background of where this came from is that uh, uh, my fiance is in musical theater and she's been in a few Broadway shows. And so in the course of us being together, obviously met all of our friends. I say that just to explain how I managed to get Hamilton tickets <laughs> was through right. the friend of a friend hookup. So I saw Hamilton. And uh, what, what astounded me most about it was the performance was great, the show was great, but like 
the editing of the writing. I guess maybe that's just me looking at it from a writer's perspective. I was like, man, this is two and a half hours of dense, packed words and like not a single throwaway line, not a single like, you know, a line that wasn't maximized in terms of like contributing to the plot or contributing to the theme. I was just like, this is the most perfectly edited thing ever. And so I'm trying to now write a full length, like poetry spoken word based show uh, around the tortoise and the hare, uh, like the old, the old parable tortoise and the hare. And so uh, a lot of the new poems that I have are kind of based around that. Like it's in, it's in the most, the most embryonic stages of, uh, of writing right now. But so, yeah, so this is one of the poems that perhaps hopefully will be in the turtle in the hair full length edition debuting 2022 or thereabouts. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, here we go. Be rabbit, be author, be gold, be comma, live, comma, breathe, karma, be turtle, be snapping, be poetry, be action, re-verb, read caption, closed mouths don't get fed, so scream till they close, casket, be fed, up, stream where the mercury's mind, closed crucible crucial to the mercury's rise, before Christ's placenta splashed on the manger, before men tried to bribe the mother out of the nature, before deforestation putting pencil to paper, before juice of extinction was murder motive for neighbors, we seem to contain this multitude of cognitions, pixelating our windows and throwing shade on our dissonance, through lower casing our eyes while bookcasing our tendencies, telling me to believe that batteries equal energy. Because before there were clouds, there were clouds just the same. Before Amazon, the Amazon had no name. It's the old bait and switch, selling ticks to free concerts. Dozen roses, but the bee's a casualty of the gardener. So we go green, then get envious of the womb. Men fluent in influence, envious of the moon. Put her boot in her face, put your flag in her back. Now they're coming home to roost, the whites are already cracked. So be gold, be magic, be author, be rabbit yeah all right God, there's so much in there um i really don't know where to start so i will mention that i my zoned in when you when you half rhymed comma and karma yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of other half rhymes in there too yeah. oh yeah oh yeah you use the uh the the what's it called like in hip-hop i've noticed like Southern rappers have the most leeway when it comes to rhyming words that don't actually rhyme, but just in your, how you lay out the vernacular of, of when speaking it, like, hey, it could work, you could stretch it. <laughs> Gives you another possibility, yeah. To make it, makes it make a half rhyme sound more like, slightly more like a real Exactly, exactly. Just Whoa. use a little drawl on it. <laughs> Yeah, right. Give it an extra syllable. Uh, so uh, where, where would that fit in the whole that's thing, a, for instance? It's more know? like, honestly, uh, that's I'm, I'm still trying to find that. So there's this what would maybe that, that story in particular, there's a uh, short story that's based on the traditional narrative of the tortoise and the hare. And like everybody knows the tortoise and the hare, the 
turtle and the rabbit run in a race, the, tur the rabbit gets cocky, turtle ends up winning somehow. And it usually portrays like, oh, the, the, the brashness of the rabbit is what was their downfall. So this yeah. short story um, is written by, is written in eight, 1915. I just happened upon it, uh, searching public domain stories. And um, in this version, the, the rabbit, the rabbit knows how ridiculous it is from the get-go and is like, what are you guys even talking about? I'm a rabbit and you want me to race a turtle, like how, in, how just foolish the whole thing sounds. But the turtle is a, uh, a very hard talking, the, the turtle is the jerk in this scenario. And he's like hard shell, hard living, hard running. And <laughs> kind of like instigates all situation. <laughs> So the rabbit agrees midway through the race. The rabbit is like, this is ridiculous. Uh, I'm like, I can't believe I'm even doing this has like a, a, a meta moment. Uh, and then either takes a nap or whatever happens, they leave it open. And yeah. then the end of the story says, uh, the reason that this, the reason that this version of the tale isn't so widely known is because soon after the race, the great fire came through the forest. All the creatures debated who to send for help. They sent the tortoise. <laughs> Imply that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, man. If I can figure some way to work that around into a whole whole tale. So I'm just writing, you know, little vignettes, I guess, about tortoise and the hare. And then once I have a, a bunch of them, try to put them together into something big. But uh, yeah, yeah. If you were to read the story, it, it's it's called the true story story of the tortoise and the hare. If you want to Google it and uh. You'll see quite a few parallels to uh, certain political events in uh, recent United States history. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, do you do you think much about performance as you're writing, or does that come in later to see? Well, I've got these words. What will I do with them? Or um, I, I think of performance in terms of how the words sound and how they'll roll off my tongue. So if you were considering rhyme schemed and what lines can be said in one breath, uh, I think of it in that way, but not so much uh, hand movements or, or, you know, physical performance tactics, but yeah. I, I definitely do think of the rhythm of the words phonetically as, as being, being part of it. Yes. And I don't know if that's maybe just because that's what I, that's what I do for a living is I do live poetry shows for yeah. primarily for kids. Um, and so I don't know if it's just, I've come to that because I like to rhyme and it happens to fit, or maybe my mind is kind of like veered towards lyrical rhyming because mm -hmm. that's what, that's what really like keeps the attention of third and fourth and fifth graders that I'm, that I'm performing for every day. <laughs> uh, so I don't know which is the cause and the effect there, but, but yeah, definitely. Um, definitely they go hand in hand for me. Yeah. Yeah, well, not not practicing the gesture seems like a real good idea because the worst things I think I've ever seen is somebody like, I heart you, and they got a little heart. <laughs> clutching their breast. I love you. You know, it's just... Yeah, you, I, I, on, I try to... Uh, I tend to not do that. <laughs> I didn't think so. What do you do when you put together a, a, a playlist for, for a reading? Um... So that, that really depends on the age too. So let's say it's a, a, a auditorium full of seventh graders. Um, 
the main, the arc that works, uh, whether I'm whether I'm solo for a show or me and a couple other guys, uh, mm-hmm. is to front end the show with humor and kind of like this is a taste of what of what we're bringing. So whatever you walked into the room like, thinking really this grand. poetry show was going to be, it's not going to be yeah. that. It's going to be this, and then once you you have them in, uh, there then you can work through the arc. And for us, that, that usually means, yeah, gradually going from humor to more serious pieces uh, to, to, you know, the, the climax of whatever the, the, um, yeah. the heart of the show is going to be. And then a little tension release on the last piece or two just to send everybody uh, back to class feeling good. Yeah. Nice, nice. Well, I, I, I ask because I, I personally feel like one of the great differences uh, – I more often see it obviously with musical performers is that those who are considered really good know how to do a playlist and the other folks will just do too many songs in a row that are the same tempo or the same yep. key or the same something. Yeah. Yeah. Just, oh, give me a break. You're talented, but that yeah, it's not, it's not even just building a, this. So poem wise, it could be, Oh, th- these are five poems that are about five different things that kind of lead in together, but you have to think of like, not just the narrative flow of it, but the the cognitive flow, where if you're doing five poems that, like how that poem I just did has a very like yeah. rhythmic rhythm to it. I can't do five poems like that in a row. They could be about five different things, oh. but no, you do that into a prose, into a multi-voice poem, into one that's pretty much just telling a story. Go. And yeah, it, like chop it up. I knew you were going to say good stuff about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like, you know, like yeah. you watch a movie too. Sense. You want it like, yeah, give me some action and then some relief and then you can get back to this part sure. and that part. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Well, let, well let's hear another poem. Then. All right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. So this poem came about. So one of the things when I'm especially doing uh, shows for younger kids, but it definitely applies across the board when you open up to a Q&A after the show. Someone, mm-hmm. uh, be they like an aspiring writer or, or, or whatever, will ask something to the effect of, where do you get your inspiration from? Like, what makes mm-hmm. you think to write these poems? Um, and so for me, recently, in the past like year or two, has been resisting the urge to post something on social media if throughout the day, da 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 da, and I have like a thought that's like a little clever, maybe mm-hmm. just a little spark of whatever, and and a lot of times people will have that, and then they put it in a tweet and send it out and get yeah. you know five retweets or whatever, or they'll make that their Facebook status and they'll get some likes and people commenting like yeah, so true, and then yeah. that's, but then that's the end of it. So I'm and and I'm looking at it like man, I'm not. I'm not giving away this great thought for free. Like I don't, I don't want to just have have this one little, you know, a one liner that's that has, has something yeah. to it, and then just throw it into the universe and keep walking. So what I've been doing is taking those and instead of posting them, write it down, and then next time I go to write oh. or next time I sit down, um, you know, open up to that page and actively try to expound on that idea. Yeah as much as possible, you know, maybe there was a, a right. more geniusness in there and then you can dig it out or maybe it really was just a one liner and all right, cool. But really trying to maximize 
whatever that spark was that made you think, oh, that's a great idea, like trying to, to make that as full as possible. So with that that's said. Ex- that's excellent. That's an excellent tip for writers. Hey, thank as you. As a man. source, you know, really. I mean, that, that's a new one on me. I love it, you know. All right, cool, cool. Um, so one of those yeah. that came about was, uh, I had to say, like, what if people worked out instead of uh, – I think it was an old SNL skit. It was like, oh, Hans and Franz, I pick things up and put them down. Um, what if instead of picking things up and putting them down, you pick things up and then you did something with it? So that was the idea. So here's a poem. Bro, I just started this new workout program, bro. You got to come with me. So you know, like at the regular gym. You pay them the monies to pick things up and put them down. Well, look, I had this ideas. What if we pick things up and then we do things with it? So I started this new workout program. I calculated all the manual labor it takes to build a house, all the digging, the lifting, the nailing. Then I divided it up into rotating stations so everyone on the job gets a full body workout. Then at the end of the session, we donate the home to a low-income family. It's called House of Reps. Bro, you got to come with me. So you see, first we start with legs, because of course you can't build a home on a weak foundation. So boom, I'm doing squats with an 80-pound bag of cement. Squat, pour, squat, pour, boom, I got your foundation right here, bro. And then it's on to the frame. I do about six or seven barn raised presses, and then hold. Little carpenters come in like minions with nail guns. Boom, boom, boom. Got a wall up. Three more sets. Boom, boom, boom. I got your frame right here, bro. But then, then it gets deep. We coordinate with existing gym franchises all over the country to offer House of Reps as a special Saturday class. We then register House of Reps, the legal entity, as a 5013C nonprofit, making your class fees, workout apparel, and building materials all tax deductible. Grassroots philanthropy meets simple supply chain optimization, bro. So then I take a look around at the world, you know, and it's so easy to run your mouth about everything you're against. But when it comes time to build together, crickets, but not here, bro. I'm not just lifting weights. I'm lifting my whole community. I'm blasting these pecs as a form of radical socialism. Oh, feel the burn. I don't care if you lost, feel the burn. And by this point in the program... We're still juiced up on love for our fellow proletariat. We crushed the rest of that house. I got dudes doing one-arm pull-ups onto the roof, laying the shingles. I'm in the back doing curls with a bag of doorknobs. And when we finally finish and hand over the keys to that family of four and the parents laid off, priced out of the neighborhood that they made nice in the first place. See, if I'm going to work out now, I might as well work out with a purpose. And when you hand them the product of that purpose, of that work, and they see what can be done when we decide to build together, my heart is ripped, bro. You got to come with me. That's beautiful. Really. Yeah, thank you, man. There's so much cleverness in there, and it's, it's the kind of funny I don't laugh out loud, but I just keep smiling <laughs> the whole time you're reading it. <laughs> just really. And, and, and the interesting, the decision to do the, I'm talking, you know, bro, I'm talking uh-huh. to you, bro. Hey, you got to go. That's an, that's an interesting – you don't see it much in poem. It's an interesting decision. And, mm-hmm. and it works with this. It makes the whole thing even more, uh, like, casual. Yeah, yeah. You're presenting serious ideas, I and, think. And one thing with uh, – because a lot of – I don't know how to – what the category would be, but, like, a lot of people who 
people who frequent poetry events and events that mm-hmm. I often go to, one, there aren't many like bro, bro dudes who go there. And then also yeah. it's, we really like one-sidedly stereotype bro, bro dudes as being like, just like the, the, the Jersey shore cast or, you know, like that. So I was like, what if this, the bro was just so socially conscious and just so philanthropic, but just happened to still present like that bro, bro dude. Uh, yeah. That was just yeah. A fun. Maybe that's where the yeah, performance yeah, part the comes in. Yeah. 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 The poem's definitely fun. And again, that's, that's another thing about performance to be able to, to speak a poem like a person talking. Right. Yeah. Like a person delivering a poem. Oh, so poetically. Yeah, and man, that's that's some one thing, man. Where a room full of seventh graders, they'll let you know if you're not engaging. So <laughs> you're right. <You'll> just, <laughs> there will be no doubt. There will be no like. You go to a, a poetry open mic. There's everybody's got their polite listening faces on and can get through three minutes. But uh, yeah, if you're not, if you're not carrying the water, like you'll know. <laughs> Let's hit this. You're another one. For that's sure. For cool. sure. I don't know if you call it the bread and butter, but uh, it's it's an older poem, but still one that when I I'll, I'll perform it today and it doesn't get old even to me. Like uh, it's a, th- a thing that yeah, very much about, very much about. All right, great. The scriptures can teach us if we just obey. Believe in His word, and He'll show you the way. Now, ignoring these teachings might lead you to evil, but you're a masterpiece painting, so let him be your easel. He'll hold you on high, lend support to your soul, even warm you some cocoa if life gets too cold. He'll be everything from the front to the caboose. And speaking, of course, of my lord, Dr. Seuss. Now, there may be some here tonight who have not opened their hearts to the light that is Dr. Seuss. There may be some here who lack the faith in the good doctor to show them the way. For those of you who have yet to experience the passion of the Seuss, there's no eternity of agony and torture awaiting in the afterlife. I'm sorry, it's just the rest of this life to embrace the 44 books of glorious Seuss. Because Dr. Seuss tackled topics affecting all man, then put them in terms any child understands. They're reading his books and ingesting his morals in big hearty helpings and tiny small morsels. But see, most folks reject this wisdom of Seuss. Oh, they may pay it lip service as if it's the truth. They'll speak of equality, fairness, and more. They'll speak of some world with kindness galore. But look at reality. Just look at its core. In the name of religion, more blood hits the floor. Such hatred and killing, yet still we ignore the wisdom of Seuss. We're just too mature. Friends, if you don't mind, um, I just want to take a very short moment to read a passage from the book of Sam. Sam did not like green eggs and ham. Mm, he would not eat them in a house. He would not eat them with a mouse. He would not eat them here nor there. He would not eat them anywhere. My friend Sam was a victim, paralyzed by fear. However, once that furry little creature boy finally convinces Sam to try those green eggs and ham for himself, do you know what he realizes? There's nothing to be afraid of. And yes, sir, he will eat them in a house. He will eat them with a mouse. He'll eat them in a box. He'll eat them with a fox. Because he's the Seuss. Oh, hallelujah. 
See, these scriptures of Seuss are for all of mankind. Just open a book, ye seek and ye find. The language is easy, so what if your grades are failing? It's for all reading levels, even Sarah Palin. So let Gideons and such spend their time with that book. They may take offense or they may take a look at Dr. Seuss pictures, Dr. Seuss writings, Dr. Seuss wisdom, so warm and inviting. There are no stern commands. He's no vengeful God. He won't burn your souls if you do something wrong, but they're not pointless rhymes. He's no mother goose. This is Universal Wisdom, written by Dr. Seuss. Thank Amen. You. Thank you, man. <laughs> I'm sure you have fun when you're standing up and, and oh, not sitting at a microphone delivering that poem. <laughs> full on like preacher man mode and yeah, yeah, doing doing revivals <laughs> and calling hallelujahs <laughs> in the crowd. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's fun, man. That's uh, really cool. It's, it's actually, really uh, one cool part was uh, we performed that poem uh, with my group Mayhem Poets. That was one of the poems we did. We did a show at the Washington National Cathedral uh, in uh, D.C. And uh, yeah. You know, it's all like, I've, and in other very religious settings, Catholic schools, and it always like gets a good reaction, which really like for me, like I wasn't raised with, raised with any religious affiliation. Uh, and so like it, it, it's, it kind of puts into, crystallizes the fact that like, all right, whatever your, your doctrine mm -hmm. is that your parents happen to be that you happen to be born into you know like whatever that was it there's a, there's a core to it that's outside of any particular name and if you're tapping that then you're everybody's tapping together yeah yeah you're, you're talking morals and values you yeah know, the, and exactly. the universal universality of that that's just really too cool yeah yeah okay well this has been this has been really good I want to Cheers, thank you a whole lot. We're talking to Mason Granger and hearing his poetry and uh, drop into the Bowery Poetry Club some Sunday night. Yep, Sunday and night starting January. Yeah, starting January 8th, every Sunday night at 8.30. Great. Okay, thanks a lot. Hey, cheers. Thank you, Charlie. You're listening to Poetry Spoken Here been enjoying the poetry of Mason Granger, New York poet, and now I'd like to talk about Billy Collins' new collection, The Rain in Portugal, just out from Random House Press. There are few poets who people will line up around the block to experience live. Billy Collins is one of them. Perhaps he's at the head of that list. His poems include flashes of insight that take the reader by surprise and unique observations of everyday life, all expressed in extremely interesting ways. His poems are clear and direct, and he's not afraid to be funny. Collins served as Poet Laureate of the United States from 2001 to 2003, and he was New York State Poet from 2004 to 2007. The opening poem in this new collection is an excellent example of the kind of thing that Billy Collins can do. It's called 1960, and it begins by summarizing an old joke, he says, a marriage counselor talking to a couple that is not talking to each other. He suggests they go to a jazz club because we all know that everybody talks during the bass solo. 
He follows that up with another observation, however, equally interesting, that it's not really that they talk during the bass solo. They've always been talking, and the band quiets down so you can hear the bass solo, and at that point, you can hear all the murmuring going on in the audience. He goes from that to an example of an album in his own personal collection. Bill Evans, Piano Great. And he's listening to the album, and he can hear the murmurs in the background and notices a particular voice that comes up. The way he expresses it in the poem, he says, I've listened to that album so many times, I can anticipate the moment of his drunken laugh, as if it were a strange note in the tune. And so, anonymous man, you have become part of my listening. Your romance, a romance lost in the past. And a reminder, somehow, that each member of that trio has died since then. And maybe so have you. And sadly, maybe she. That leaping from the beginning observation to something more, uh, shall I call it cosmic? Something bigger. The idea of mortality is another one of the things that Billy Collins does and does so well. He is also a master at simple but unusual insights, which make you go, oh yeah. In a poem called The Present, he notes that these days it's pretty much considered a good thing to live in the present. We're told that it's, it's good for us to be mindful and to live in the present, but then he says, wait a minute, maybe it's not so great, because there'd be no past with so many scenes to savor and regret and no future, the place you will die, but not before flying around with a jetpack. The trouble with the present is that it's always in a state of vanishing. And then he says, what about the moment that exists between banging your thumb with a hammer and realizing you're in a whole lot of pain? That kind of thing, the unusual, clever example, I think is a part of why Billy Collins' poetry is so popular and considered so much fun to read. He, his, he says the idea, but he uses a creative and amusing example to express the idea. It's a very Billy Collins thing to do. And then another poem that I really like, which, which again displays to me uh, an important way of showing that he is, he is a real poet and knows what he's doing. He's not just a Comet. This is a great example of what is not said. The poem is called A Day in May. Starts off with a beautiful observation, provocative and uh, very poetic in that it evokes many thoughts. It is the first two lines. That was the day we made love in a room without a bed. You can get a lot of images from those two lines. He goes on describing the day of, oh, looking out from the patio or the deck, rather, at the ocean waves and basically spending a very good leisurely time uh, with the woman of his life. And then about seven in the evening, he says he got the car keys and was going to go out because she said she'd make an interesting dinner if he picked up some things at the market. And the poem concludes... And I will not soon forget how, 
after I filled the basket with two brook trout, asparagus, lemons, and parsley, rum raisin ice cream, and a watermelon. The checkout girl, no more than a junior in high school, handed me the change and told me to have a nice day. The beautiful irony of that young kid telling him to have a nice day after the day he's described. I think it's, it's just beautiful and tremendously effective and it's the way you say things when you say in poetry. I'm Charlie Rossiter and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter Monley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetry spoken here. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetry spoken here. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com.